Hi, I'm Taku and I've spent over 10 years telling my stories to thousands of kids across Australia. Now, I'm making my first kids TV show, but here's the thing. I don't have a lot of money, I've never made TV before, please explain, and I've never even been to film school. Yeah, I know, it sounds ridiculous, but that's why I'm doing this podcast. You'll hear how I'm working with the best in the business, how I'm finding the money, and all the behind the scenes stuff no one tells you about. This is Two Words with Taku. Let's learn this making TV thing together. Lawyer, legal, lawyer, law, court, lawyer. Oh gosh, I'm sure a few people are freaking out just hearing those words. Please do not freak out. It's okay. It's not going to be that deep today. But it is a very important episode on covering your bum. That's essentially it. You just got to make sure that you know your rights for starters. You know that you're doing the right thing by other people. And also you're protecting your intellectual property. In this episode, uh, I wanted to talk specifically about chain of title because I had never really had to deal with it at all in any other um, industry I was in. So I've come from architecture and construction and engineering, never really had to deal with any of that. And so once I started creating the writers rooms, working with different writers, and when I went to apply for funding from the Australian Children's Television Foundation, chain of title became a big thing. So rather than me try and explain it in my own taku way, which I mean I could try, I've decided to invite a lawyer onto the show and her name is Dee Mbugwa. She's the Deputy Director of Industrial Advice and Advocacy at Media Entertainment and Arts Alliance. She's an experienced lawyer and writer with a demonstrated history of working in the alternative dispute resolution industry. Dee enjoys sharing her stories via social media, radio broadcasting, digital media, public speaking, and writing. And I met her at an event uh, where it was uh, African-Australian people talking about their experiences of working in the media. And she was uh, presenting there. And I just loved the fact that, oh, wow, she's a lawyer and she's somebody who would have good insights. And, and so in this episode, I just ask her to break down uh, what chain of title is and ask her a few sort of basic questions around what people should know about their legal rights and contracts. And yeah, she's quite fun to talk to. So here is Dee Mugua. All right, so tell us a bit about yourself and your work. Well, thanks for having me, Taku. Uh, well, first thing is I want to make it clear that uh, these views are my views and not the views of my employer. Okay, great. Yeah, no no problem. And, and I guess that's that works because I know you personally. I met you and then that's why yeah. I asked you to come on because I know you're you know, experienced in the legal side of things. So that's fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fine. So I migrated to Australia about 12 years ago. I'm Kenyan-Australian. 
Um, so moved to Adelaide to study at the University of Adelaide. I did a double degree in law and media and then um, started working in Adelaide and then moved to Melbourne where I now work as the deputy director of the industrial team at the Media Entertainment and Arts Alliance. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll refer to it as MEAA. MEAA is the union that covers workers in the media, entertainment and arts. So your actors, your freelancers, writers, theatre workers, entertainment workers, musicians, journalists, that sort of thing. So basically anyone who works in the media, entertainment and arts industry. Mm -hmm. And the industrial team is the team that provides legal advice and representation to the members of the union, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So if right. if someone is an actor and then they need they need some legal advice, they call you up and then Absolutely. that's your team that talks to them. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. So we've got a call center. So they call the call center and then the matter gets referred that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a centralized call center and then... Uh, depending on the matter, it's um, allocated to the appropriate team member. Okay. But within your yeah. team? Yes, within oh. the industrial team. Ah, okay. Wow. And, yeah. so, and so what does a typical day look like for you? Typical day looks like uh, either returning emails. I'm always putting out fires that I don't want to spread. So, for example, trying to stop workers from being dismissed, trying to negotiate exit packages, uh, trying to come to reasonable uh, terms with employers, trying to negotiate work health and safety issues, that sort of thing. So a typical day for me is um, very non-typical in the sense that I don't have a day that looks like another because you never know when a worker is going to be dismissed. You never know when a worker is going to be pulled into a meeting. You never know when a worker is going to fall sick and therefore... Uh, require some sort of intervention in the workplace there's always something happening and it sort of always keeps you on your toes yeah wow so uh, yeah I, I rarely have days that look the same because at the same time I also provide assistance and uh, some direction to staff in the office and so uh, I provide guidance to some of the organizers when they need some guidance on their sites so n no one day is like another yeah, wow. It's, it sounds yeah. it sounds like a pretty big job as well. Like, do you feel a lot of responsibility? I mean, I always think like you know, you're a lawyer or you're you know, a legal professional. Um, yeah. Do you feel do you feel the weight of that responsibility? I don't know if that question makes sense. Uh, no, it makes sense. Uh, I used to feel it. I think more so when I was new in the industry. Um, uh, around about 2015 when I started working in the union movement, I used to feel, you know, very pressured to, uh, I don't know, to because, you know, when you're out of law school, you're a law graduate and then now you're dealing with real people. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure because any small thing you do affects someone's life. Yeah. But as I've um, worked in the industry over the years and now changing and specializing sort of in the media industry, um, it's very challenging. It's it's hard work, but I really, really love it. Like compared to any other area of law, I really, really love employment law. Yeah. So that makes it easy. And it's got its ups and downs. Uh, so it's got times where if I have a case in court, then obviously that I'm frantic in those 
weeks and months leading up to my case. Yeah. And other times it's your stock standard tribunal stuff, which I'm, you know, is the bread and butter of what we do and I'm used to that. So Yeah. Yeah. So there's a method to the madness. Yeah. Wow. It sounds it sounds pretty pretty crazy um but good crazy because you enjoy it and the reason the reason why i wanted to have a chat to you was because um you know that legal world is so different to my world or my experience and um you know when i contacted you i talked about how i'd never really heard of chain of title within the creative space i always just used to make stuff you know and it was my stuff or you might collaborate with people and then it's our thing together and you know, nobody talked the legal stuff. And so now coming into yeah. making this show, um, I wanted to ask you to maybe explain what why chain of title is so important within the media industry. Um, yeah, I guess for the listeners to understand a bit more about that. Yes. I mean, don't be too hard on yourself. You know, you never know what you don't know. So True. at least now you know. But, you know, just to go into a chain of title, uh, first of all, refers to the series of documents that you need to be able to prove that you own a film and you have the right to distribute that film. Mm -hmm. So this is because when you display that you actually own the film, you're able to grant those rights to a distributor, for example, to distribute your film. Mm -hmm. And the reason that chain of title is really important in the media industry is because without the proper documentation proving the ownership of the work, there's there's no protection from legal action. So yeah, these ownership rights touch on some complex areas of the law. So it's things like copyright, trademark, intellectual property, as you probably already know. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to make sure your paperwork is in line and you have um, all the documents that you need to be able to prove that you own your work. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you own copyright to your work, then you have the exclusive right to communicate, reproduce, make adaptations, or enter into a rental arrangement in relation to the work. Yeah. Um, and so that that's why it's really important is is really to avoid any legal trouble down the down the road because you might have a distributor who really wants to distribute your film, but without the proper paperwork and documentation mm. to make them satisfied that you own the film, then they'd be hesitant to distribute it because they wouldn't want to be sued. Yeah. And and that makes so much sense to me now. <laughs> but like you yeah. said, in hindsight, I just went, what? How? Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of that came up when it came to me getting the funding agreement signed. So I got development funding from the Australian Children's Television Foundation. And so, That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it was really daunting because now it was all the fine print of, you know, what, what's going to happen with the money, what's going to happen with rights. And also then, because I've been working with a crew of writers and story contributors, it's like just making sure each of those people has also assigned the rights. And, and yeah, it was really quite yeah. quite interesting. And and I did have a bit of a cry because at the time I didn't have a lawyer. Oh, no. <laughs> I did because it's so, it's so foreign. I consider myself an artist, you know, and mm. you know, I've been kind of in that world. But then this is part of what I'm learning is – to make some of these things work properly or the shows that we watch and admire, you know, there is all this other infrastructure underneath it. So, yeah. So the legal stuff um, is so important. And luckily I I found an amazing lawyer who's my lawyer now through my accountant and she was, she she was excellent. Uh, But again, this is why I I want to sort of highlight to people that 
you need to get good legal advice and don't do oh, it yourself. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely have to because if you try and do it yourself, you're gonna you're gonna have to redo it down the line, and you'll have wasted yes. so much time. Yes, that is so true. Uh, so, in terms of finding a good lawyer, do you have any tips? I mean, if you work in the media, entertainment, and arts industry, then you should join the MEAA because. Uh, the industrial team comprises of legal practitioners who practice industrial law, employment law, basic, basically. And we represent our members in tribunals and courts um, at no extra cost. So you pay your membership and you get your representation. So you're not, we're not charging you per hour like private practice lawyers would. Ah. If um, you're associated with the media industry uh, like yourself, but you fall outside of the union coverage because you either fall under the domain of producers or writers, yep. I would recommend um, either contacting the MEAA and requesting a recommendation for a good entertainment lawyer mm-hmm. or speaking to the Screen Producers Australia or if you're a producer or Australian Writers Guild if you're a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and in fact, they they um the last one, Spa and the AWG, yeah. they really have good resources, even in terms Absolutely. of um contract templates and things like that, which yeah, you know, even give you a sense of the language that you need to be aware of before you start committing to things. And yeah, and like that's that. right. So, and as a union, we negotiate agreements um on behalf of actors with with these bodies, and so we definitely have the contacts in the industry where if we don't cover you, we, if we can't provide certain services for you we know, we definitely know how to recommend services or where to point you in the right direction for where you're located in Australia so mm-hmm. yeah, that's another thing to consider yeah that's I, I did not know any of this until I started being in this in this world yeah. so I think it's so good that people know they can go through these different associations that represent the, the practice whether it's producing or writing and then get that support um, yeah because it, it it is quite scary if you don't know. Uh, but then in terms of, let's say somebody wants to go off and maybe get their own lawyer or they've, they know someone, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it sounds like a silly question, but um, why do law- lawyers charge so much? <laughs> <laughs> well, as a distinction, because I work in-house for a few years, <laughs> I don't charge an hourly rate. Uh, yeah. So. yeah which would be pretty much for the same for any practitioner working in-house. We don't charge hourly rates because we're paid on salary. But any kind of legal work, whether it's in-house or private practice, it requires a lot of effort on the part of the lawyer, not to mention the fact that law degrees don't come cheap. Mm -hmm. As a lawyer, you're investing years and years of your life to continuous learning. So on top of our legal qualifications, we have to maintain continuous professional development Mm -hmm. so every year we have to complete a minimum of 10 hours of learning in various areas of the law Mm -hmm. in order to maintain our practicing certificates all of that costs money like the 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 10 hours of uh legal course uh courses costs money yeah the practicing certificate costs money every single year you have to keep on top of legal trends so you have to keep an eye out on cases that are similar to your client's case or similar to your member's case that are in the court at the moment, what the outcome of those cases are and how that affects your client. I mean, it can be a really taxing, really expensive um, process to keep up with the changing uh, developments in the law. And it doesn't stop there. Mm -hmm. We have to comb through pages and pages of legislation and precedent and make sure 
that we are actually providing the best advice to our whoever we're representing. So we at the same time also take on a lot of vicarious trauma in relation to the matters we're dealing with because we have to run around, make sure all our submissions are in on time, deal with sometimes really challenging matters, go back and forth with opposing solicitors or counsel. So it's not um it's not a small exercise. Yeah. And that's why it costs what it costs. Yeah. Right. So a yeah. lot of lawyers or law firms um would also be paying a lot of money for access to legal databases. Okay. So th- this is where you can quickly go in and, and research a case and you've got it on your computer so it's easy to, to take with you. So there's a lot that goes into being a lawyer. So I guess that's what sort of um, correlates with the fees is that the amount of work we do, it's never-ending reading, never stop reading as a lawyer. So mm-hmm. I always say anyone can be a lawyer if they like to read because uh, okay. you will be reading your whole life. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I love how you answered that so frankly because that's something that does come up is, um, you know, people don't want to pay or they think mm-hmm. if it's too expensive then they can't afford it and so they, they try and take shortcuts as well. So I, I'm, Yeah, I, I'm, and we always... Oh, sorry, I cut no, you off. No, no, go for it. No, I was going to say, we always come across people who've gone um, through those short shortcuts, like you say, mm. and then they end up getting extremely disappointed or end up getting a completely horrible result mm. as opposed to investing uh, in a good lawyer or good representation early on mm. and getting it right the first time. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I guess that's even part of planning if you are going to go the route of committing to the art form or forming a company or working with other people that you have to account for that. And that's definitely something I've learned even in terms of business planning is that, oh yeah, legal fees is an actual part of, you know, funding or, you know, budgeting for these projects to come to life. And the good thing is some of the funding agencies then do give money for legal fees as well so that's also good for people to know that yeah you you can also still get support when you're applying for things to cover those costs if you need them yeah and there's avenues as well for people who have financial um hardship so there's there's always a way to access uh legal services it's just um utilizing your networks and making sure that you're getting the information that's right for you yes yeah, so true. And uh, let me have a look. Okay, this is a. I'm being a bit facetious here, but are good lawyers oh. are good lawyers free, and are free lawyers good? Um, <laughs> I think just like anything in life, uh, what you get is directly proportionate to what you put in. Mm-hmm. Um, unless a really experienced lawyer is taking on some pro bono work legal advice and representation is usually not free. Mm -hmm. So if you want a good lawyer, you want good legal advice, um, do your research, find a lawyer that comes highly recommended, be frank with them if you have financial issues, because sometimes you can approach a senior lawyer um, and you have, you don't, you don't have the money to pay them, but you can afford a junior lawyer and they can recommend a junior lawyer for you. Mm -hmm. So, talk to them and be honest about your financial position rather than um, trying to get free advice because you, you like anything, you will get what you put in. Yes. So. Oh, yeah, no, that's good feedback. 
jumping then back to okay now you've found your lawyer and you've gotten your contract or your agreement from whatever entity you're you know talking to what are mm-hmm. things that you should look out for any general tips or red flags or anything that you can sort of share around contracts and funding agreements yeah so contracts i mean i come across all manner of contracts because like i said we deal with various areas in the media entertainment and arts so for example a journalist's contract is not going to look the same as a deal memo for an actor okay um and so you it varies from industry to industry so for example in the media industry you'd want to check that there if there are any restraint terms in the contract and if these terms are too onerous or too unfair Mm -hmm. um if they're too restrictive in the sense that you know you're restricted from uh working or being able to make a living beyond your current employer Mm-hmm. Um, or you might want to check that a theatre contract has the appropriate clauses in relation to work health and safety. It all depends on the industry. So the best thing to do is, again, to get advice because yeah. you get good advice, the odds are already in your favour. And more often than I can even count, people sign their contracts without ever understanding what they've signed. Mm-hmm. And then later on come and find out, oh my God, there's this nasty clause in the contract that I didn't realize yeah. existed. That's so true. And, oh, yeah. sorry, go on. I, I no, so I was just, just uh, yeah. So just in, rela- in relation to the funding agreements, you're probably better off to contact Arts Law Centre mm-hmm. of Australia because we don't really deal with that. So I'm not really um, across it too well but yeah arts law center um would probably have more information so would spa and the writers guild mm-hmm. yep and and what i'll do i'll put all the links in this episode so people can access yeah. them as well but um yeah i think that's been so good to even hear your your insights into what your experience is and part of doing the podcast as well is so people can hear a real lawyer or a real accountant just talking about what they do so that it also kind of breaks, yeah. down, breaks down that that fear or that um yeah it demystifies t- the whole thing right it, it, it just, really does yeah yeah and uh yeah so i really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us and uh no yeah, worries if we thanks have, for having me if we have questions where do people find you so on Instagram, I'm at things D says. Mm-hmm. So D is D double E. Okay. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think that's probably the only platform I'm actually active on. So yeah, same. Um, that would probably be the best way to to reach out. Oh, okay, that's great. Thank you. I'll I'll um I'll put that link in the show notes along with all the other ones you mentioned. Thanks, Dee. Absolutely. Thanks, Taku. No worries. You're listening to Two Words with Taku. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, and recommend the show. So as Dee said. It's really important to get the right advice. Please don't do it at home. Don't Wikipedia it. Just don't try and improvise this. Go and seek advice because you're going to need to get that uh, sorted. Uh, There's no way you can proceed forward without doing all the contracts. There's agreements. There's all these things that you need to be aware of. And then also I've now found that my lawyer, she's amazing. She is my advocate. So she can ask me 
you know, in sort of layman terms, okay, so what do you want to do? What is it? And then she can go off and read a contract or an agreement and be like, nah, then that doesn't say this or this, think about this. And and so really just kind of have that um, that laser eye on, you know, each and every clause that I, I'm, I'm going to have to read through or agree to. And it's really honestly quite reassuring for me because that was something that overwhelmed me at the beginning. I had no idea how I was going to navigate that and those conversations, which are inevitable and also necessary to get things moving. Contracts, agreements, knowing your rights, um, it's just part and parcel of this TV world. So I would really recommend if you've never heard of any of these terms or these things, maybe just start having a read around what um, they mean and what they might mean for your idea or for your project and not even necessarily TV stuff. Um, whatever industry you're in where you've worked with other people, like who owns that idea? I guess I can share as well. My partner is a musician. He's in a band. They're looking at potentially creating some stuff around TV. And I've been saying to him, okay, so who owns this character or who came up with this character? How are you going to navigate that? So those things around chain of title, ownership, IP, they're so important. And uh, yeah, I think the more we talk about it, the more we sort of um, tease these topics out, then the less scary they become and we can be okay. Yes, we can. Um, so yes, as always, if you have questions for me or any of the guests that you've heard on the show, you can email taku at taku.com.au and I'll put my social media links in the show notes and yeah, let's become friends or let's follow each other. Let's, I'd love to see what you're working on or what you're doing uh, and you're more than welcome to see what's happening in my world. All right, thanks for listening for this episode and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Bye.